we're really, really happy to announce that um, that we are just signed a an ambassadorship program with Schedulicity. Schedulicity is a scheduling app, and um, they've been kind enough to uh, to help us out this next year. Yeah, they uh, we met them in LA when we did the uh, Salon Digital Summit, and they really believed in what we were doing mm-hmm. and how we were doing it, mm-hmm. and so they wanted to know how they can partner up with us to. Uh, to even reach more listeners and, exactly. and give what we give. That's that's right. So um, with our uh, with our partnership with uh, Schedulicity, we will be able to reach more hairdressers and we'll be able to bring a lot more content and get to a lot more hair shows. So uh, hopefully we can see you guys out there in the hair shows when we're there visiting. Yeah, and and they're going to give us a, some business tips uh, throughout the podcast as well. And I'm so excited that, you know, we're partnering up with people that believe in the same things we believe in. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, that, that's pretty exciting. So uh, anyway, Schedulicity, once again, big shout out to you. And uh, thank you for joining your day off. <laughs> Silly. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, hey, welcome to your day off. My name is Corey. I'm going to sit with my best bud, Tony. What's up, Tony? What's going on, bruh? So we're, uh, we're live at... Uh this, actually, this thing has the longest title in the world. Cosmoprof's Mid-Atlantic Fashion Focus. That is a lot to say. Yeah. But we're sitting down with our first guest this weekend. And uh, the only thing I can say is that his, and he said this before, his only goal is to breed 100K hairdressers. Wow. Right? I mean, that's incredible. That's I would, crazy, I, right? Yeah. I mean, as, as a salon owner... If you're a stylist that works for him, you gotta be excited. Well, he's not gonna let you fail, right? Right. That's it. So, I mean, another cool thing too is that we actually picked him up. Um, this is why we love doing shows because we just pick a podcast while we're while, while we're doing the show. So he wasn't on the schedule. As a matter of fact, I requested that we we uh, he wasn't supposed to be here basically. And then right. last night I see him walking down the hall. I'm like, bro, right. we gotta do this, man. <laughs> so uh, so today our guest is a uh, Jacob Khan, and Jacob Khan is a salon owner in Atlanta. But we'll kind of get into his story. Yeah, Modern Salon Top 100. You did your research. How do you do your research in like four minutes? Right. <laughs> I got a Katie. Yeah, I got That's exactly <laughs> Our girl Katie is great. Right. Um, so, uh, Mr. Jacob Kahn, welcome to your day off. How's it going, guys? It's going awesome, Thanks brother. for having me. Yeah, oh. absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm super stoked that we got you on. Yeah, I'm stoked to be here. So, yeah. uh, kind of, go ahead. First of all, I mean, where are you from? Uh, I'm from Georgia. I mean, we say Atlanta, but it's like I, I'm... Moved to Cumming, Georgia when I was like 13. That's Cumming, spelled C-U-M-M-I-N-G, Cumming, Georgia. Because <laughs> why not? Ridiculous. <laughs> I was like, we're, we're moving where? <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I'm 13. <laughs> I do that on my own. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just learning what that is. <laughs> but, yeah, so, but if you're from anywhere around there, you just say Atlanta, you know? So the salon's actually in Roswell, Georgia, which is like a suburb of Atlanta. We, well, but I've lived all up and down, uh, anywhere in Georgia, you know, anywhere from, from downtown to a million different suburbs, but, you know, that's home for me. Anywhere near Atlanta, greater Atlanta area, Georgia. Yeah, we're t- actually going to try to make it there this fall. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we're going to do a little trip down uh, 
and uh, visit. Uh, Daniel, you guys yeah, visit Daniel exactly, and yeah, then yeah. try to make it to a Falcons game. I'm a, you know, <laughs> I will probably lose half our listeners. I'm a big Falcons fan. So. Yeah, just don't go to a Braves game. You leave sad just right. every time. <laughs> just, come on, how right. about them Braves? Man? How about them Braves? <laughs> how about them? Right. So how did you um, how did you get in the industry? How did you find it? What what's that story about? Um, when I was like younger, like early high school and everything, I was like in the punk music scene in Atlanta and. We were like in bands, and, and everybody wanted to have like fun, crazy hair, but really nobody had any money or like the ability to, to go and get that done. So I became kind of like the resident haircutter for like the music scene that I was in. Anybody right. who wanted to have that like super emo, like cover one eye, spike the back or whatever. <laughs> so I was just like grabbing people's hair with no comb, shredding it off with a razor, and just hope, hoping for the best. Thought I knew what I was doing and everything, but you know, I, I really enjoyed doing it. I had a lot of fun doing it, and luckily, I had like friends with no inhibition that would just let me do whatever to their hair. Wow. And they, back then, it was like everything was real crazy, just the most abstract like looks that I could make for them. But yeah, I didn't know that I was gonna be like a career hairdresser though really i didn't even know that that was really like an option like for thing. like a career because right. at the time it was like if i was paying for a haircut i was going to like great clips or something mm -hmm. you know so like that was my impression of hair oh besides this one barbershop my dad used to take me to when i was really little like i saw great clips in this place and that was like there was taxidermy throughout the entire barbershop i mean when i say there was not a space in this place that didn't have like a gopher or like an eagle or like something that was like stuffed <laughs> It's the kind of place where if they cut you, they're like, ah, it's just part of the experience. We'll, just put, you, we'll just put you on the wall. Yeah, he's just talking to him. Yeah, exactly. He's like, if we bleed you out, and then we're going to sand you and stuff you. But yeah, so that was like my impression of hair at the time. So I didn't really realize that it could be a career. Uh, and it wasn't until I was actually like 18 that I went and, and graduated hair school. But even then, at the time in hair school, I, I didn't know that I was really going to do hair. It's like I knew that I liked it, and I saw that it, there was like some opportunity for me to support myself doing that. But I wanted to do stand-up. And before that, we were doing, I mean, we, we had been doing stand-up, like, when I was a, a teenager, and then uh, when I was in hair school, we were doing stand-up. We, Hold on, are there YouTube videos of this? Uh, maybe there's some, there's some videos of me doing stand-up out there, I'm sure. There's some on Facebook, I think. Um, but it's like, once things kind of picked up doing hair, we, like, we tapered off of that a little right. bit. But you can see it reflecting in, like, my page a lot. Just because we say <laughs> our brand is like cut, color, comedy. Like that's what we want to do. Like those are the things that we're passionate about. So you'll see like a lot of skits and everything on there. And if you ever see me do anything live, it's like I try to make it like it's my opportunity to perform in right. that way still. So I'm like feeding that part of myself by being on stage. But I was in like theater or I was in bands or I was doing stand up. And, and once I graduated school and I realized like, oh, you can be on stage. You can you can present. You can have I have much bigger audiences than my stand up audiences were garbage you know right. <laughs> it was just like open mics and, and whatever was going on in atlanta open brown bags bottles yeah it was right. like everyone's there's like two people there that are like oh we didn't even know there was going to be stand-up i'm like right. oh that's good <laughs> i can do stand-up for two people who had right. no idea they were going to hear stand-up that they're probably in the mood to hear that that's going to be really great yeah now yeah. you have a huge ca uh, captive audience so. yeah it's like now you listen to me no matter what garbage i'm right. spewing right <laughs> they have no choice but to see whatever i have to say now and they pay to see it yeah yeah <laughs> Well, maybe if I was doing, who knows? If I, I wanted to see if, if Cosmo or any other would let me open one of the shows or like one of the award shows or something with a little bit of stand up. If I, like I can ever convince them to let oh me do gosh. that, I think that would be cool. Megan, all, Megan, ears up, ears yeah. up, Megan. <laughs> do all like industry related stand up, like pick on all the maybe it would probably be like a roast, really. <laughs> pick oh, on all of my awesome. friends. In well, the if industry. you do that. You gotta let us know because we'll be there for sure. I'm like yeah. maybe maybe next year's license to create awards if I can swing that for that that'd be really cool if they let me do that. But or yeah, or uh, the industry. Uh, yeah, yeah, maybe one of our events will let you do that. Yeah, yeah. let me know. Come in and uh, roast 
That'd be yeah, amazing. Roast all awesome. of our We'd have to start it. We should do our own, like, the Hair Industry Club roast. It's like the new Friars Club or whatever right. roast. We just bring oh. in different hairdressers. Oh, no. You know what? Like, come on in, Gino. And you Sit know down, what? Uh, uh, <laughs> ben Marlin's only a phone call away because he would be definitely into, oh, ben? like, roasting. Oh, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Ben. Yeah, he's MC in our show. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. But that, that, def- that would be awesome. I'm going to have him come out and do his uh, the Ben Mullen project with my team at, at the salon eventually as well. Amazing. I've been trying to coordinate that with him for like a year, but something ends up in the way. But I really want to bring him out. <laughs> well, he's really getting busy, man. I oh, mean, yeah. like, uh, like you see his post every weekend. Like, right. you know, he's finishing a class. Enough about for sure. This is Jake's hour. So, I mean, I kind of want to back up a little bit. Like, when you were telling kind of the story about like how you were just shredding hair and stuff. It's interesting because you were creating your creative eye before learning the technique, which is kind of the opposite of, of the way a lot of us learn. A lot of us, you know, are in school and we learn, you know, 45s and, and, and 90 degrees and stuff like that. So it's just interesting that he kind of like learned it the opposite way. Which is amazing because probably when he learned the techniques, he just took it as a just as a guideline and not necessarily how this is the way to do it. Right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I had no like formal idea of of haircutting i didn't know anything about the industry either as far as like i didn't know oh videl sassoon and you know how things like started and how haircutting was created i definitely didn't know anything about elevation but i the thing is i thought that i did right i like went into school like hey no one's gonna be able to show me nothing you know i'm, I'm doing hair already and then the moment that i like learned that you had to pick up hair with with two fingers and not just grab it with a fist <laughs> <laughs> that was, That's I was the like, fist technique. wait a minute <laughs> What are you talking about? I can just see her head snapping back. What do you mean not everyone wants one of their eyes completely covered? <laughs> you, know, you don't all just turn to the right only? But. That's hilarious. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah, it, it, I, had, I really had to dial myself in, honestly. It was like I had a bunch of moments in my career where I think I was trying to be overly creative where I, and I was losing the aesthetic of it. Yeah. You know, so it's like back then, it's like the aesthetic that I had or the creative eye that I was able to develop was specifically based around the music and the scene and what I was see- what, what I saw people were wearing already, you right. know, which was like straightening your hair, razor cuts, something like really loose, like no, no like real form or foundation to anything. Um, and then when I'm in school, I'm like learn precision. You know, I went to like a Paul Mitchell school. Um, which is, you know, basically the same as like like Sassoon haircutting training, you sure. know, maybe just like with like a little bit more of like a preschool vibe on it or whatever. Like everybody gets a trophy and here's a granola bar or whatever. Feels like actually he should have a crossbow sitting on the table right here because he, he reminds me of Daryl Rivas from The Walking Dead with the oh. hair. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you said that because I constantly get John Snow and I'm like I do not look like that beady eyed son of a. <laughs> <laughs> See, like, I got you. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So, so you graduated hair school at 18? Yeah, I was 18 years old. So it's been been doing almost 12 years now because it was like I was 18 and change and I'm 30. So. Wow, still a baby. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I've always like hoped that when I turned 30, I would stop getting called a baby. Because like you could be talking to somebody that don't know how old you are. And they're like, oh, what do you do? You're like, oh, I own a salon. I own my home. The other stuff. That's cool. How old are you? Oh, you're a child. I'm 29. Oh, you're a baby. You need a bottle? <laughs> Did you, where's your babysitter? Someone, everybody around you is older. I need an adult. <laughs> Someone's lost this child. But then if you're 30, if, like, I thought like, okay, when you turn 30, it doesn't matter what you're doing. It's like, oh, I work at a GameStop and I live in my mom's basement. They're like, oh, the taxes in this area are getting really crazy, huh? <laughs> and who are you voting for? I'm like, that's like the, that's 30 awesome. was supposed to be the marker for me. But right. Never, that's it didn't work out. <laughs> So, so did you start apprenticing, or did you go straight onto the floor at 18? I didn't go onto the floor. I went to a salon that was owned by a guy named Don Shaw. So do you know who Candy Shaw is? Yeah, yeah, yes. sure. Yeah, we, so Don is Candy's uncle. 
Oh, nice. So the what? Shaws have like a hair empire in Atlanta. So you have like Jameson Shaw, and then you have, you've got this salon called Das, which stands for Don and, and Sylvia Shaw. So uh, I worked at his salon. It was departmentalized. Um, so I like, I want to say apprenticed, but I assisted because I already had my license, but I, I assisted under somebody for like six months and took models um, and like watched them cut and just like did their shampoos and swept for them and everything. It honestly didn't have a very, like a super strict training program. Uh, it was like a little bit loose. And then I kind of got thrown on the floor uh, after six months of doing that, like $25 haircuts, something like that. But it was departmentalized. I was just cut in style for maybe the first four years that I was doing hair. But at the time for, for training, really, I was getting everything o- online. I was on websites like Nick Education. You know Nick Berardi? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, So he has a website called Nick Education. I had that subscription. I was on myhairdressers.com. Uh, I was on Hairbrained. And I was, like, saving up money. I mean, we were, like, just saving tips and going to Sassoon. And, and uh, actually, I went to the San Francisco one and did, like, the ABCs. And then I did the creative class there. And just trying to get as much possible education as we could uh, just because the salon – Gave some education, but it wasn't really like it wasn't super education focused. Right, right, it was more right. corporate, like you were kind of left to your own, get on the floor, get busy, or, or get out kind of vibe is what was going on there. But yeah, we were just like hungry for it. But I was lucky; I had a few people in the salon that were kind of the same mindset as me in that way, and we were like always planning shoots or trying to plan our own like little mini demos and stuff, trying to get other hairdressers to come to them, even like straight out of school, just really trying to hit it as hard as we could. Wow, that's pretty. Cool. How long? Uh, like so. Did you? Was there a time or how long after you finished school, like where you get, where you kind of like, I get it now, and like you were confident that you got it, not just not just with bravado, but with like, I really get it now. I'll let you know when that time. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I get asked that question a lot by a lot of hairdressers. Like, when when am I gonna like feel good about my work or like feel like it's like what it needs to be? And you know, I don't want to say that I don't feel good about my work, but I'm always feeling like I need to be better than I am. Like we're still, I still do mannequin work like every single week. And oh, I have wow. mannequins at the house. I have a day dedicated to, like, like creating class content and practice and sh- doing models of just stuff that I want to work on. And then on Mondays, uh, we do workshops with the whole salon, so we're all training all together. And then we bring in educators from all over. So constantly training. I always say, like, the moment that you feel like you've got it is the moment that you're going to stop getting any better. So I'm, like, always trying to keep in a student mindset myself as well. But, I mean... Like I was saying, I had a bunch of moments where I, in the beginning, we would say, we'll get back to Paul Mitchell. We had a bunch of aha moments mm-hmm. where I was like, all right, got into school. I'm good. You know, no one can teach me anything. I realized, oh, I know nothing. That's great. <laughs> and then I get out of school and I was like, oh, I was phase two and I was design team and honors and whatever, like honors cutting program. And then I get into the salon and I realized like, oh, you have to be able to work at that pace and like not just do one haircut and, for, and have it Four look good hours, or right? whatever. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, after that, I had gone to Sassoon and, and done all that kind of training and was maybe too idealistic as well about, like, I'm not going to point cut. I'm not going to do anything. It's, 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 everything's going to be really super clean and precise and perfect. And maybe that aesthetic wasn't, get, it wasn't really making me very successful, though. It was right. like hairdresser haircutting is like kind of like the way I describe it, but it wasn't really salon haircutting. It wasn't like what people were looking for anymore. So I had all these moments where I was like, I've got it. Never mind. Got it. (laughs) (laughs) Got to reinvent it. Right. And now, I mean. By the way, that's a T-shirt. Yeah. I got it. Never mind. Psych. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's over and over. It's like a tour, one of those tour shirts, but it goes down the shirt. Got it. Never mind. Got it. Never mind. Oh, I love yeah. that. Right? Like tour yeah. dates? Yeah. 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 <laughs> the Jacob K. Hair tour. The of confidence. No, 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 no. Right. <laughs> yeah, so what we're going to do, yeah, we'll create, like, we, we say this every podcast, and uh, one day we'll make it happen, but we'll say, 
you know, I got it. Never mind. Uh, then we'll say Jacob Kahn <laughs> episode such and such. You know what I mean? Minute. So we'll uh, we we'll, can get back to that. We'll, we'll and get you to make one. our shirts later. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I made this shirt. I got the, like just threw threw bleach all over this shirt to get the my logo on it. <laughs> I dig it. And I've, I had this idea. That I want to come out with this line of clothes. So we have this brand called Fancy. So we're like fancy hairdressers, right? So we have Jacob K. Hair is the salon, and then we have Fancy, which is um, right now is a line of scissors that we have. But it's like cutting collars coming out and uh, a few other things. But then I want to make fancy clothes, which are clothes where all the designs are made in bleach. So that when you go into the salon, if you get bleach on it, it's only adding to your to your stuff. I love it, man. So I've ruined so many like articles of clothing and I was like screw it I even like wear pants now that I'm like oh, I'll never wear these pants again because they're bleached if I wear this shirt I'm like oh, I'm going to wear those pants right. it goes together it's right. you know? but the problem was that I, I did the bleach on this shirt and then I let it dry for two days and I was like oh it doesn't even smell like bleach I'm just going to wear it and then I wore it and then by the end of the day I had like chemical burns all over my <laughs> chest and stomach oh my God. so we've learned that do the designs dry them wash them, wash them then wear them, them. Wear them. But so I, I kind of want to back up a little bit like it just seems like you have so much discipline in, in, in where your career is going. I mean, like Mondays are this, and I'm still challenging myself. I mean, do you literally have it like written out, or is it just like, or, or Sunday's just what I do? I have a di- like director of education at the salon who is like my protege. She's a stylist in the salon, my assistant, and like director of education is what her official title is. But um, I'm not. I'm like motivated and have all these things, but I'm not super organized. So I have to have somebody that's kind of helping with the organization. But yeah, we have a schedule. Everyone in the salon is set on the same Google Calendar, so they know this workshop on this day at this time, this class on this day at this time. If I'm go, if I decide to go in and do some creative work, I don't mind if the rest of the salon comes in or if assistants come in and they want to help or, or even just like bring in their own models and all collaborate together. Um, so yeah, we, we keep it on a tight schedule, but it, it's it's funny. It's like I'm dedicated to it, but it's like it almost makes it when I say it like that. It almost makes it seem like a chore, but mm-hmm. it's something that I'd be doing either way because we say it's like when you're doing hair it's like a lifestyle choice as well as a job as well as like a passion fairly all that word gets thrown around a lot in our industry it's kind of like a very passionate about doing hair but it's true it's like it's my hobby it's my job and it's like you know it's what i actually enjoy doing so if i have time off that's usually what i do they're like what do you like to do outside of doing hair and i was like what is that (laughs) outside of doing hair there's more (laughs) yeah so how long have you owned a salon um, we opened Jacob K. Hair in 2016. Um, before that, I was at another salon in Atlanta. I was like the creative director and education director for another salon for like four years. And before that, I was working at a Paul Mitchell school um, for maybe just like two years, working for uh, a Paul Mitchell school and an advanced academy called The Mastery in Atlanta, which at the time was made by a lady named Lucy Dowdy, who was the... Um, editorial director for JPMS. She came out and they opened this. Like, once you have your license, you go here to get, like, your master's in hair, basically. It was, like, a 14-week program. Um, So I was taking clients there and teaching at the Paul Mitchell School, teaching there. And then eventually Lucy, was. she was back and forth from California. I think she just kind of decided that it was too much for her. She had other things that she had to focus on. So um, she backed out of that and at the same time because she was kind of, like, my reason for being there, my mentor there. Her and this hair cutter named Wayne Lee, who was... um, he was an educator for Sassoon for a long time, and he works in Beverly Hills at a salon called AT Tramp. So he, that was like, when I got that job, it was like four years at DOS, and then I got to teach at the school. Or I was like assistant educator to, to Wayne, really. And that was when my education and training really got dialed in. Because before that, it was six months, we go to Sassoon for three days because we saved up the money to go there and right. do that, you know. Right. And then, or we're just online and doing mannequins at the house. 
or doing models. And then when I got in with him, it was intense. I mean, because he has that Sassoon mentality of, you know, if Paul Mitchell's everybody gets a trophy, his was like, you don't get shit. Like, <laughs> you get nothing. <laughs> you know, he would like come up and be like, oh, maybe next time you make that haircut look good. <laughs> <laughs> but it, he's, he's a nice guy, but um, sometimes I think you need harsh and honest critique. Is he British? He's uh, Chinese. So he really said, he's like, uh, oh, maybe next time you make that haircut look good, Jake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thick he was seriously like that. He would say, if something looked off, like if the weight wasn't right in something, he would say, oh, it looks a little bit bubbly. It looks kind of bubbly. <laughs> I wonder <laughs> that's just the Sassoon's family, because Trevor Sorby yeah, was pretty ruthless. Vivian McKinder. Everybody yeah, it's like the, but I, I honestly believe, like I was saying, like you have to have somebody. I was lucky to have a mentor that was honest enough to tell me when something didn't look good or wasn't good enough or I had to work on something more. And if you're like mentoring people or if you're leading and you have a hard time doing that, you have to really toughen up or move out of the way and let somebody else lead that's going to be able to do that because people are owed that amount of honesty in order to really grow. Because if I had somebody telling me that the stuff that I was doing back then was good enough or was like just like was the end all for me, then I don't think I would be where I was today. It was him saying like, all right, you got to do 30 models a week. You've got to take clients. You've got to teach class next to me at the same time. And then he would go back to California for two weeks and then come back for another two weeks. And wow. like, I would have, have to have all this stuff finished. And he was just on top of me, no excuses about it, you know? But at the same time, he was like one of my best friends and a good mentor. But it was like that level of honesty that I think like really helped me learn and helped me be close to him, like to be a good mentee. That's well. great. Because the reason why I asked that question, because it kind of goes back to your question. Really, from the time you graduated hair school and the time till you open up your salon, there's only nine years. And you did so much and created so much within that, that time frame to be confident to open up a salon and give to what you're giving to your to your crew now. I mean, that's that's pretty impressive. I, I you know, and I, thanks. I, <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's I, true. It is very but, impressive. But but, it, you know, it helps by having those kind of people that, that mentor. You, yeah, right? I had so, a lot of people along the way that that it, I wouldn't have been able to do it without them, like giving me the motivation that I have. And like, I also the people that work in my salon now, uh, a lot of them have been through the entire experience with me. Like I own the salon with a guy named Matt um, and he and his wife and I were roommates before we went to hair school. And she and I, her name is Monica, we went to school together. Uh, we graduated. We went to DOS. Matt has, like, his degree in business, and, and he's also a graphic designer and all this other stuff. He's, he's one of those people that, like, anything he tries to do, it's like, oh, it's just gold now. Everything right. I do is just works out great. I'm like, I hate you. That's wonderful. Um, but so he became the manager of the salon we were working. So she and I were stylists. We kind of, like, talked to the owner, and we're like, you should hire this guy to be the manager. And then we all moved from there to the mastery together. And he was managing the mastery while we were, like, teaching and taking clients there. Um, he still actually works uh, for Paul Mitchell School while owning the salon with me, like, doing, like, their graphic design and some managerial stuff for them. And then I, we actually split for a little bit. They went to – or Monica went to a salon called Intrigue that's owned by a guy named Jeff South. You know Jeff? I know Jeff. Uh -huh. He's, like, a big Erosio salon owner in, in we Georgia do like Nick. as well. Yeah, like Nick. Nick's a good guy. Cracks me up. But – um. Then I went to this other salon where I was like the creative director, education director. And then once that was done, we all kind of came back together. So, and then Amelia, she works there. She's mm -hmm. engaged to my brother. Kate was my first apprentice. Jessica oh, awesome. uh, was actually, she was my second apprentice. Jessica was my first. Her husband was um, in my wedding, was one of my best friends. And now he's a barber. He works there. Wow. So everybody's like super close and has known each other for a really long time. So it's like 
everyone's just as mentally invested and dedicated as I am to the business. Are you like, like I have a concern that, um, not a concern. That's <laughs> I'm concerned about you. I'm, no, 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 I'm not concerned about you at all. <laughs> it's way over As the industry, though, like, like you had the Vidal Sassoon's and you had Trevor Sorby and you had like that, like that hard love kind of education. I mean, are you paying that forward? I mean, you receive some of that, that, that hard love. Are, are you given the same kind of hard love? What kind of coach are you? So, I mean, I, I give like harsh and honest critique about things, but I, I'm also, I'm a softy though as well. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, I like, I want everyone to be happy. And I, when I was teaching at Paul Mitchell school, what I really took away from that is how different everybody actually learns from one another. So I don't think everybody would compl- like benefit the way that I did from mm-hmm. being told that something wasn't good, you know, or like at least as harshly as they were being told that. So I like to try and figure out everyone's individual personalities, see what they actually really need to succeed and try to give that to them. You know, I have some people that I can speak really bluntly to, other people that maybe I need to phrase things in different ways or even just like provide in different ways. Like some people want to do stuff really hands-on. Some people want to watch. Some people want to be left alone and do it on their own, you know. So I'm trying to like read everybody and give them what they need to actually grow and succeed. And I also have like um, maybe a little different than in Sassoon, you kind of have to pay your, your dues or like the old school way of doing it. It's like you're an assistant and you have very little value as an assistant. Right. And then you have to like grow and hand clips to people, you know, wait for someone to die. And then you get to be <laughs> on stage. You know, it takes that much time to get on stage or like to get some sort of value where I take a little different approach to that. I think I try to give everyone the same value from the moment they come in the salon, whether you're the top earner in the salon or your brand new assistant, I want you to feel like you are you know just as valued as anybody else so even if you're an assistant and i'm like all right you're really good at doing this i think you have something to offer with that you're gonna you're gonna teach the rest of the team how to do that you know i want to like put you on a platform like if you want to be great in the salon you don't want to educate sure if you want to do classes we're going to get you classes you want to do more social media stuff we're going to get you busy on social media you want to be on stage we'll get you on stage you know so uh, I'm harsh and I expect a lot to get all of these things, but if you're giving, then I'm giving back a hundred percent as well, if not more, if I can, if I can muster it. Yeah, you can't ask more. No, I mean it sounds more like a a, a coach relationship than it does a um a uh than like a, like an actual mentor, like the old school kind of mentor. You know, I mean I think the most successful coaches are the ones that that, that can communicate with you and not have a communication style. Yeah, exactly. Like, I want to find out how, how, how can I connect with this person as an individual and not just you're coming into to this situation and you get to deal with the way that I'm doing it, right. you know? I mean, there are definitely certain things, like, with a brand that everyone does in the same way. Uh-huh. As far as the cut color comedy aspect, we say that we take ourselves seriously, but we don't take what we're doing too seriously. So the environment in the salon, that's, like, something that you don't get to change, right? So it's, like, everyone's talking to everyone. Every client's talking to everyone. I like it's loud it's rowdy but we even like the music is is like so crazy eclectic i'm like all right pick like four different stations that you like they don't have to be the same there's they don't have to be censored it, it can be anything you want it could be right. like sinatra to like death metal or whatever <laughs> it doesn't matter like that's like literally like, the range of what will happen in the salon it'd be like trap music sinatra death metal this is a uh, you know norwegian like <laughs> and i just mix all the stations together so everybody gets a little bit of something to hear so i've been some people have uh, couldn't really ha- we've lost a couple assistants because they couldn't really handle like that aspect of it as far as like um they couldn't focus or it was too loud or it was like the the training was too intense or, or something like that. So I expect you to train. I expect you to be able to fit into the mold. I expect you to take what you're doing seriously, but not take yourself too seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, so those things 
all kind of say the same for everybody, but as far as how you want to grow or how you learn or what, what you see for your career, it doesn't have to be the same for everybody. I want to be able to make a platform for everyone that comes into our salon to be able to stand up on in their own way. And I mean, it's, you can see it's crazy, the, the growth that they've been able to have. I mean, I look at Amelia, who started with me in 2016. I was her teacher when she was in hair school, like even a few years before that. She moved to Miami and um, started like working in salons down there for a while. Mm-hmm. And then she came back to Atlanta. We were in a studio. Uh, she and I and one other hairdresser named Kate were in a 120-square-foot studio while I was building wow. this salon. So that was the only thing that was available. It was like a salon loft. So I went to all these suites and tried to find like a two-person suite or a double suite, nothing. I could only find in midtown Atlanta, so it was like the furthest in the city we had been, um, 120 square feet, three of us and three clients, totally a <laughs> fire hazard. Like if there was a fire, we're all dead. Like that's a, no one's getting out of the door. But um, she had maybe a 1,000 followers, something like that at that point. And I mean, she has a lot of natural talent and incredible knowledge and everything herself. But you know, with a little bit of coaching and and you know, pushing <laughs> to do the social media stuff. Now she's got, what, 160,000 on her own page, another 160,000 on Process Perfect. So she's 320,000 strong in only, what, three years, two and a half years, oh, something wow. like that. Uh, Kate, the other hairdresser that was mm-hmm. there, um, she is at like 50,000, I think. I've got. Um, you should also mention that Amelia is now part of the. Uh, the yeah, Amelia's on team. the on the artistic team with me. Kate is a Cosmo Pro, so mm-hmm. like, there's basically two tiers from what I can you know gather at Cosmo Prof. We've got the Cosmo Pros, which are just kind of like our extended um, network of hairdressers at Cosmo mm-hmm. Prof that are that we're involved with, which you know is maybe like a hundred different hairdressers out there. Uh, and then we have the artistic team, which it's dialed in a little bit more. I think there's about eight of us now on the artistic team. So Kate's a Cosmo Pro, 50,000. Amelia on the team now, 320,000. I've got two new people that just started. Well, Rebecca started with us, but she's really picked up. Uh, she started with us in 2017. Right. But she's at maybe 14, 15,000 now. A girl named Bailey just started. So what are you teaching? I mean, what are you, I mean, is, is, it, uh, is this what Jacob's giving them or like? Well, you know, I what? don't think that there's anything necessarily different or like original as far as like my approach to social media Mm -hmm. i think there are certain things that that will work if you if you have something to show right it'll work right so we do mostly video i think there are so many people out there that are incredible at taking photos that even if your work is really good and you've got a bunch of great photos you're just going to blend into the background unless it's like really something substantial or individual that that no one else is doing so we want to put a lot of our personality and the education into what we're posting. So a lot of it is video. A lot of it has voiceover of us kind of describing what we're doing so that you get to know the hairdresser and you get to see the work. And it's just a little bit more engaging. You know, people right. are more likely to stay on a video for a little bit longer than they will on a picture. They'll scroll quick, double tap and scroll on a, on a photo. And I, from what I can tell, the more interaction you have online, the more interaction you get. So whatever you can get people to stay on the page longer, to interact with the post a little bit longer. So a video or like a carousel or something will keep them on there longer. That makes sense. Um, but really, everyone's posting kind of different stuff. I mean, my page is probably like 70, 30 cut color. So I mostly post cutting and then like 30% color. Amelia, she's 100% color, doesn't really post any hair cutting. Um, the rest of them are kind of mixed, you know. But like that girl Bailey, she went from 1,000 to 16,000 since January. So Whoa. she's like blowing up. Rebecca is now at like like fourteen or 15,000. Mm-hmm. And then basically everybody else is at between like five and 10. So, but they're all growing really, really quickly. By this time next year, I think a lot of these people that are at like 10, we'll see them at like 100,000. And I'll be looking at a salon with nine hairdressers, all 100,000 strong. And I mean, 
think about that. You got you have a million coverage. Oh yeah, I mean, well, just just mine. You know, uh, some of them alone, like the girl who had sixteen thousand. She showed me her impressions last week. She had a million impressions and five hundred thousand reach. I was like, that's crazy for sixteen thousand wow, people. Wow. The interaction that she was having is like incredibly high, you know. But you you hit these peaks and valleys on social media. Sure. It's weird. It's like it's hard to pinpoint the algorithm or the trends or whatever. We're just we're at the whim of social media. Whatever it wants to do to us, we just ride the wave and, and see how it goes. <laughs> Figure it out. Yeah. But really, it's, I think it's the consistency. It's like picking a brand. It's like, what what are you marketing towards? Like, what is your page marketed towards? Like, mine is marketed directly to hairdressers. I don't really, t- like, post for clients mm-hmm. on my page. I'm, like, promoting the hair that I do, the education, and I'm promoting myself as, like, a character, you know, mm-hmm. as, like, someone to follow, like an influencer or whatever you want to call it. Um, I pick, like, a color scheme. You know, it's like mostly what you see on my page is natural colors. You see the brick of the salon. You see wood tones. You see black, you know, um, and then, like, pick, like, textures or whatever. Like I said, like, you see the brick. You see, like, maybe, like, leafy stuff um, on my page so that the aesthetic of the page is kind of curated to be a specific way. And I have a pattern. I always find – for me, I feel like patterns work – they somehow work better. It, like, connects to Instagram better or something. Right. So I do two hair posts, and then I do one post about me. Two hair posts, so, one post about so me. So do, do you guys, you know, do a social media class as a unit, or do you usually do it individually, one-on-one, what's best suited for them? Yeah, we don't actually, like, have, like, an over, overview class or anything, like, when you come in. Um, I've, like, maybe given some individual coaching to each person. But a lot of it, I think they just kind of observe what's happening. When you're in the salon, you see a lot of people with their phones out. You see people taking video. You see – but we always ask clients, too. People are, like, always worried about doing it. We just, like, ask clients, like, do you mind if we take a video? Usually they always say yes. But And it becomes part of the culture in the salon, part of the environment. So the clients come in, and they expect it. They're excited about it, you know, and the new stylists that come in, they see it, too, and they kind of just like jump on board with it. And I think just seeing all the successful pages that we have coming out of one place gives a good like lookbook for the new people to be like, all right, what can I do that is working for them that will like work for me, too? Um, like Bailey, hers is like way different than mine because it's it's really granola crunchy and like hippie stuff <laughs> on there. <laughs> like, you know, she's like. It's like called like Bay the Mystic and stuff. It's like there's like kind of her vibe, but it totally works for her. Right. You know, she's like looks like Stevie Nicks with like purple hair. You know, Dig it. and where mine is like me just being ridiculous, doing ridiculous voiceovers and accents and then education. <laughs> where Amelia's is like kind of like an ethereal ode to, music. An ode to the old uh, stand-up day, right? Exactly. It's like where where can I get this part of me out a little bit better? It's like I can do it by doing um, a bunch of random impressions or whatever. You know, I did a Sarah Palin. I, I had Monica do a Sarah Palin impression on a video, and I tagged Sarah Palin in it. And So I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to Sarah Palin's page and just like see what's going on with her. I haven't heard from her in a while. <laughs> <laughs> no one has. So <laughs> I, go, I go on her page, and I notice that, first of all, I have more followers than Sarah Palin, but... <laughs> that her her kids have like pink hair. Like one of her daughters has pink hair, and I'm like, oh, that's crazy. So I click on her her daughter's page, and her daughter follows me already. No way. So I'm like, Sarah Palin's kid follows me. Like so, I, <laughs> I, I send her the video of us doing the impression of her mother, and then I follow her back. And she, I'm like, what do you think? And she goes, oh yeah, like we haven't heard that one before. It was like her being like, oh, I can see Russia from my bedroom window or whatever. (laughs) But then they were like, if you ever come to Alaska, you know, you can feel free to come to the the Palin compound. I'm like, that's crazy. I would love to do that. That's a nice invite, man. I would definitely do that. If you're you're listening, Sarah, I accept accept. (laughs) the invitation from your adolescent daughter. So, so hey, go ahead. You're up. Uh, I was going to get back into, uh, you know. No, I want you to. (laughs) Yeah, when we opened up the... uh, the, the podcast and we talked about you, you know your goal is to make all your hairdressers 100k hairdressers 
I mean, do I mean if they don't have that mentality that they want to do that? Do you do you just you know this is not the place for you, or do you try to uh, coach them into you know receiving that mind mindset? So, the only people that we've had leave the salon are assistants, and it was you know because of they couldn't handle the critique or they couldn't handle the training or they couldn't handle the environment. So I haven't really, as far as the stylist that I've hired, if I've hired you as a stylist, um, most of them I brought up myself or like we've done everything together, like I was saying. So I haven't had that moment of having to really coach them. I've been lucky enough to have people who are really self-motivated as well. But I mean, who doesn't, who wouldn't want that for their career anyway? It's like, if you're wanting the bare minimum, like that's what you're going to get, you know? So if I, if I do run into a situation like that, or I see somebody that is a little unmotivated or is complacent, then yeah, I would, I would do my best to like coach them to, to get out of that mindset. Mm-hmm. I would hate to ever have to, to let somebody go though. It's like, we've been open for three years with no turnaround of, of hairdressers, of stylists. So, and for me, that's a huge thing in our industry is that I see people jump and ship a lot going from salon to salon to salon, like trying mm-hmm. to find that salon that's going to just do it for them or whatever, where usually it's about like your ROI. It's like your re- return on your investment on yourself. You know, it's about like what you're doing with the opportunity that you're given. So, but I do things differently than like most salons that I've seen. It's even the pay structure is, is way better than most salons. I mean, most salons, it's like you're starting off at like 35, 40% commission. There's a back bar fee that comes off the top. Um, you know, you're having to pay for all these like little individual things on your own. I do a minimum 50, 50 split. You can work your way up to a 60% commission. I take wow. nothing off the top whatsoever. Uh, I always say like a happy hairdresser is going to mean happy clients. It's going to mean a busy salon. I took something from, we're talking about Nick Arojo. I, I took a piece of advice from him. He says in class, who comes first, the client or the hairdresser? And everyone always is like the client. And I'm like, the hairdresser always comes first. In our salon, hairdresser comes first. I'm going to bat for the stylists. They're the ones that are there to stay. A client will come and go. A client can be the happiest they've ever been and still go see somebody else the next time just because they're kind of flighty like that or whatever, you know? So I'm always trying to stay invested in them, in the time, in the training, and emotionally. Like, I want to connect with all of them on, like, a personal, emotional level as well as a professional level. So I haven't really had to deal with anybody not being motivated to be that $100,000 hairdresser. I do give them, like, a little metric about, like, here's how you get paid, so here's what the goals are for you th- that make you a $100,000 hairdresser. Like, if you hit these numbers, then you're taking home $100,000. So for me, we do a lot of goal setting. We do, like, like Chelsea and I will do uh, daily, weekly, monthly goals for ourselves as far as, like, what we need to do for our totals in the salon. We're very competitive as well, like, with the rest of the people in the salon. There's, like, a friendly competition, between, right. especially like, between Amelia and I. Where we're like, I'm like, yeah, I beat you by $2. Like, what's that? <laughs> she's like winning. And I'm like, hold on. I'm going to go do a conditioning treatment on this person. You need this conditioning treatment. But she's like, you I'm crushing it. you on retail, right? No. No. <laughs> she's crushing me on, on uh, average ticket, though. That's for sure. Because I do a lot more haircuts. Got it. And she's like taking two, three people a day max on huge transformations, $500 transformations on like everyone that comes to the door. Wow. Where I'm like, enjoy your, you know, I'm, like, I'm the king of the partial. I'm like, who wants a couple of pieces around their face? You want to have a couple little sun kiss pieces? That's what you need. And they're like, I want to be blonde. I'm like, no, you don't. No one's ever wanted to be blonde. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like haircut and a partial, cut and a partial, cut and a partial. Like that's my day. And she's like huge color correction or like, huge transformation so she'll do 50 clients and i'll do 100 so 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 what advice would you give to the young people listening to this or anybody listening to this that wants to uh kind of do what you're doing i mean 
that it's really going to be all up to you, I think is the best advice. Like I had a lot of time when I was first coming up that I was like waiting for a product company to pick me up and to put me on stage or for my salon to pay for my education or for, you know, just something to fall in my lap. Like we, we were even like trying to come up with these like schemey things like with the, the last salon where I worked before opening my own place. He was all, the owner was always like up the ass of all the product companies trying to be like, you need to do this for us. You need to put us here. Like, you know, we have this value. And I think we wasted a lot of time doing that. Rather than just, if you want to teach a class, you know how people ask, like, how do I become an educator? You schedule a class. You know, put it out there. Where do you schedule that? Well, if you have your own space. I mean, if you're a suite owner or a salon owner, you can do that. Before, when I wasn't, when I was at DOS and I wanted to do my own classes, or even when I was at this last salon, I would reach out to other salons in the area. I mean, before there was social, I had MySpace at the time. You know, it's like I wasn't using social until four years ago. I like how he said before my before social, like like MySpace isn't social. Well, I mean, not, <laughs> it's not in the same way though. It's right. like nobody was nobody was like maybe no, not nobody, but in in such a broad spectrum of how many people actually use their Instagram to promote their work. Right. MySpace was more about like, ooh, I'm gonna put you in my top eight, and then we're gonna try. I'm trying to hook up later or whatever. <laughs> like the original <laughs> Tinder was like MySpace, you know. So. It was more just it was like more ego stroking on there than it was anything like it wasn't exactly social. I don't remember like really meeting a whole lot of people through MySpace. I just like posted a lot of pictures of myself and like you know right. it was like <laughs> masturbatory almost. Like, Ooh, <laughs> look at me! And, and, you know, but now you know we can use it in such a different way. But the point of that was that it was like guerrilla marketing. Like I have a class I want to teach. I'm going to find a space that I can can do the class. Whether it was. Um, in the salon where I worked, I asked the salon owner if I could use it on the day off. I've rented photo studios that had like big open spaces. It was like maybe like sixty to one hundred dollars an hour. Invested my own money, you know, to make sure that that was happening. Uh, and then I would go to salon to salon with flyers that I'd printed out and cut myself at Kinkos and and hand that out to different salons. I would call up to the schools and be like, "Do you need a guest artist? Like, do you need somebody to present?" Because I will come in and do that. Yeah. I mean, we were basically booking tours of cosmetology schools, getting paid nothing, driving around like from. Florida to to you know North Carolina and Tennessee Alabama we're just doing like the whole southeast for whoever would let us present you know so it's like it's all about how motivated are you are you to actually do it because if you have something to offer i mean people people want to take these classes I mean you look around you throw a rock you'll hit an educator right you know they're, they're out there they're right here <laughs> yeah yeah we're all in this room right now <laughs> you know and not even to to belittle the people that are doing that i mean i think there's so much good education out there but i don't think that the opportunity has waned for people who want to do it still so if you want to do it you got to put yourself out there you got to schedule classes you got to find the locations you got to do the promotion and the the good thing for you is that it's going to be much easier than than uh, what it was for us that's great advice cuz i mean if you're waiting for something to happen you're going to be waiting you know, for the most part of your career, for something to happen oh, yeah. because it's you know it's not going to come easy. And like uh, you know, when we interviewed Kelly Cardenas, he came and said, uh, you know, I'm going to make you my friend. You know, he's re- he's reaching out, he's and he's making people their friend. You know what I mean? And being not, proactive about doing that, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, yeah, and this is exactly what you're saying. Yeah. You know. So this, I mean, this is probably the perfect transition for this. But like, so how did you find the Cosmo team, or how they find you, or 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 how did you make yourself aware that that's where uh, you wanted to land? So um, we were doing all of our own independent stuff. Maybe I, at the time I, I had, had an Instagram for like a year and I had built it up to like ten or 15,000. Um, but we were still booking independent education in salons or in our space. And I met Phil uh, through Facebook. 
not even on Instagram. I like met like uh, Philip Ring. Mm-hmm. Phil does hair through Facebook. And he and I decided that we were going to do something together. So we were kind of trying to coordinate and plan a class together. And then he met Larissa. And then they were coordinating class together. And then I happened to meet her too separately. When we realized, oh, we're all trying to do classes together. Why don't we just do one to three of us, right? Oh, that's nice. Um, so we, we called it LPJ, like Larissa, Phil, and Jake. And then we kind of toured the U.S. doing this for a year. And by doing that, it, Larissa was the uh, brand ambassador for Cosmoprof at the time. And I think it just got the attention of Cosmo that we were doing that. They were seeing, like, all oh, these, they were, like, selling out these classes, like, from, you know, Georgia to Hawaii. You know, we were, like, all over the place. So that kind of sparked the moment. I think they had the desire to, to have, to hire more hairdressers, to focus more on education, to, to make it about the education and not just about the products, which I think is, is amazing. It's such a, a great thing that they did. Um, so it was meeting Phil and Larissa and all, and the three of us coming together and teaching together that really got the attention of Cosmoprof. Um, but before that we were still, you know, like I said, doing all of it on our own. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a, that's a hurdle to get over. I think a little bit in our industry is that people look at me sometimes and they think, oh, he's just like an Instagram hairdresser. I think it's like a, a term that I hear a lot, or like an Instagram educator. And it's like there's a division like this down the line of like you have these hairdressers that had to grow in a more traditional way or like in an old school way to get success. And then you have people that, you know, have, can do hair for a year and be famous all of a sudden, you know, because of their Instagram. So it's like it's a little bit of a hurdle to get over to not be perceived as like being undeserved of your success when you have like a social media following. But like I was saying, we were I was teaching in a school way before I had Instagram. We were planning our own classes. We were we were training. We we're hitting it hard. And then I think the Jacob just, is saying that he paid his dues. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> I mean, just because the only reason I even touch on that is because I do hear that about me sometimes is that mm-hmm. it seems like but you can't give that any energy. Yeah. yeah exactly. I mean, I want to give it yeah. too much, but just so you guys know, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> he's revealing it today. Right. <laughs> he earned his way. <laughs> but even, even the, the people that are coming up now, it's like it's, still, it's just paying your dues in a different way. I mean, you right. have a whole lot of different pressures and things you have to get over to, to be successful on social media and or to even be successful on social media and translate that to dollars and actual success is a different thing, I think. Because you have a lot of people that might have hundreds of thousands of followers, but they might not have clients or they might not have they might not have classes like that are full or a book that's full. You know, so it, one doesn't immediately give you the other. It's like it has to be everything all right. in one. Man, that's awesome, man. Boom. I really appreciate it, brother. What's Cosmoprof up to? Like, like, what are their like goals this year, or what are they doing this year? You know, we've we've still have so much focus on education for the year. We brought a lot, a couple new people onto the team, so I think we have a lot of diversity now. Uh, we've got some incredible stylers. We've got Keon. We we, we have Kate or Beauty by Miss Ruby is her mm-hmm. name, but her name's Kate. Um, this incredible session stylist. I mean. I was looking at some of the stuff that she made yesterday, and I was like, is that made out of hair? Right. Or is that like, did you 3D print that? Like, I don't know what, mm-hmm. how you even do that. I'm like trying to curl somebody's hair. I'm like, this is hard. <laughs> <laughs> She's making shapes. And partial, she, he's doing partial curls. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, we're just going to curl the front. That's all anyone sees. <laughs> the top. And Keon is an incredible barber, like, designer. I mean, and he's just so multifaceted, talented from, from being like an artist. He makes clothes. He draws. He is hilarious. And we've got Amelia with color. We've got incredible focus on like social media stuff with Olivia and branding with Christina. And they're also incredible colorists and curls with with Lisa. I mean, the list goes on and on. Mm-hmm. And we're going to be all over the country again doing fashion focus doing spring style. We'll be in Premier Orlando. We want to grow the License to Create Awards. We want to be able to celebrate hairdressers even better. And I think that there's even going to be more 
things like best of the best and these like smaller education events that are maybe more focused just around the education and less around the brands and less around the, the products as well. So you'll see so much stuff coming out of Kaiser Prof. And as far as working there, I mean, I've had an incredible experience there. I mean, I think you can, you can pick something apart and find like things that you wish were better or wish were different with no matter where you're working. But for me, like I look at it like, man, how have we been given this opportunity to basically get, get promoted all the time by Kaiser Prof, get put on stage by them and get paid to just what post to social media to do what we were going to do anyway. That's incredible. So I'm like, I have no, I really have no complaints and it's cool. It's like, there's a, there's a personable vibe at Cosmo Prof that I don't know. I haven't directly worked for another company. You know, everything besides Cosmo has been independent for me. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it's the same other places or not, but there's like a level of like friendship and like realness with the people that I interact with there. I mean, like Megan and I will text on a regular basis. Ashley and I, who's like, like Megan, she has like a very similar role to Megan there, like her, her number two. Um, we text like in, we're, we're friends. Like we're like legitimately friends. Like if they don't work at Cosmo Prof anymore, like we're still going to stay friends. And the relationship that I've made with the hairdressers there is definitely lifelong. And we all learn from each other so much too. Like there's not a lot of ego there. Which is really cool. That's amazing. I think, like you, look, I mean, especially most most of these hairdressers, you know, including myself, I have to check myself at sometimes too. We think we're rock stars, you know, mm-hmm. especially with like the, you know, people stop you for a selfie or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like your ego can get big quick, so you've got to really keep it in check. And that's been really great at, at Cosmo. I haven't really run into that with anybody. Everybody is like interested in what you're doing. They wanna they wanna learn from you. We wanna learn together. I'm bringing out almost the whole team so far. I've got scheduled to come do stuff in my salon this year. Wow. And I'm going out to, to Utah to do stuff with Christina, um, and, I wanna, and anyone I don't have, I want to get them on too. So it's cool. It's like it's like a big family, and in like a real way, and not in like a almost everybody is like we're like we're a family or whatever. <laughs> like no, I'm like I would invite these kids to my birthday. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, <laughs> we're, like we're actual <laughs> friends. Like, we're really friends. Uh, that's pretty cool, man. That is cool. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm just I'm happy to be here with the team and stuff, and we got to hang out with them a little bit last night, and, oh, yeah. and you, you definitely feel that. I mean, we've known Olivia now for I don't know a little bit less than a year though, but she's just she's just she's like your sister. She's a peach. She's You're just totally. a peach. <laughs> that a must Georgia mean peach. Yeah, Georgia, Georgia, yeah Georgia she's a peach. Florida peach. She's a Florida peach. Right? <laughs> so she's like a little too ripe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling. Uh, I like it. <laughs> Awesome, That's, man. That, that is pretty cool. So uh, before we came on, you were asking me questions uh, about our podcast. So uh, what are you up to? So, you know, like I said, we, were, we have the aspirations of being comedians. You know, uh-huh. like that's like really what our initial passion or interest were is that like we wanted to do stand-up. Me and my friend Matt and Monica was, and Chris, another, another friend, the barber that works at the salon. So we all used to write comedy together and do all this um, I would do all the stage stuff, but we would all write the comedy together, and then I would perform it. Um, <laughs> and then whenever we do the skits and everything, it's like we're all this kind of collective mind for coming up with these ideas for the skits and, and then filming them. But with how popular podcasts are and how much – I mean, I listen to podcasts constantly, all the time. It's like the, definitely the new – What's the like, number one podcast you listen to? I listen to Mark Marin. A lot right now. <laughs> well, he missed thinking, it. Well, Adam, you have to specify uh, what part of podcast. So, hair podcast. I listen to Hair Street only. Right. Well, I listen to Hair Street, Hair Brain. I listen to Matt Beck's uh, podcast. I listen to the Hair Game. Yeah. Um, so those are like the hair podcasts that I listen to. And then I listen to like comedy stuff. I listen to Mark Marin. I love his love podcast. Mark. Listen to Joe Rogan. Love Rogan. Um, 
I don't know I how Rogan does to, it. He does three, three hours a week. Oh, my God. Because he's just like on there, just like on muscle milk or whatever. <laughs> right. Like, yeah. All that stuff. He's just like raging on there. He's like, I can't stop talking. But, I think that's On It. On yeah. It Milk. Right? On It Milk? On is, it that, is that like the brand or something? <laughs> that he, that's he's, the brand he owns. It's On It on Milk. It. It's got meth in it. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. <laughs> and then I listen to... Um, like I, I like a lot of serial murder stuff. I don't know why. I'm like really interested in like psychopaths and like and like stuff like that. So I've listened to this one called Happy Face right now, which is about this guy. I like how we went from serial killer to like Happy Face. Well, the guy is called Happy Face because he would like murder somebody, write a letter to the police, and draw a little Happy Face on the on the letter <laughs> or whatever. And like it's a like, teacher. It's his daughter and his wife that are doing the podcast. So like they oh, were wow. like their entire lives didn't know. Then in 95, he gets arrested. Turns out he's a serial killer, and you've just been living with your dad like he's like a regular dude. You know, you like watching TV with him. He's like, I'm going to be right back. Goes and murders the guy. Comes, you know, comes back, and he's like, what do you want for dinner? You know. Right. So I thought that that's like a really cool one that I'm listening to right now. But we're wanting to use podcasts as like another outlet for us. So we're starting this podcast called This is a Bad Idea Podcast that we've been working on for a while and as soon as we're actually happy with it then we're gonna start doing it probably i'll probably start off like one a month just just because we've got a lot going on i think we have 40 weekends of events and education and classes booked this year already so we've got what 11 more or 12 more weekends <laughs> that we can utilize so i'm gonna try and work in at least one a month and then hopefully it will grow from there but the idea of the podcast is that it's called this is a bad idea it's going to be me and a group of my friends that we just disagree we just don't agree, no matter what the subject is. It, it, it's almost like some of them are like, you, you don't even disagree, do you? Like, right. you just want to disagree to fight with me right now. It's like, you don't even really disagree. <laughs> Everybody's playing just, devil's exactly. advocate. Exactly. Right? Like, it's like, no one, you'll be like, you know, sugar is sweet. And he's like, well, I don't know. I don't think sugar is sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's bitter. And you're like, Could well, be sweeter. You can't prove that. <laughs> so, but it's just us talking about things. Usually they're going to be a little bit more provocative subjects, I think. We've been slightly hesitant to put some of them out there just because people have such strong opinions about things that are political or religious or social. Mm -hmm. But that's going to be the general focus of the, of the podcast is going to be things that people are going to have very strong opinions about. The people on the podcast are all going to have very different opinions. And it might piss a few people off. It ho hopefully it'll be interesting for people to listen to. But it's really fun for us because it's great. I think that there needs to be more open dialogue about things like that in this country, especially in our country. There's such a division of ideas. It's like, are you left? Or are you right? Are you conservative? Or are you liberal? Do you, are you transgender or are you straight or whatever? You know, or just are you your own gender? You know, or are you every gender all at the same time? It's like, who knows? But like, people get so bent out of shape. As soon as something like that gets brought up and you get heated, you get in an argument, and then you're not friends anymore. You know, just right. because it's like, oh, you voted for this person, I voted for this person, or whatever. But the people on this podcast, first of all, they would have never voted. None of them have voted. <laughs> <laughs> voted. They're like, I refuse to take part in a broken system, or, or whatever. Right. But we can get in these really heated arguments and then walk away and still be friends. So I think we, we, we were having these arguments. It was like anytime we got together, it was just like just ranting at each other and then laughing about it. So I was like, why don't we, it was super entertaining. Was We'd be at a party, it'd be the three of us or four of us sitting there, and the whole party would basically just stop and be listening to us, like, going on and on about each other about whatever subject happened to come up. So I was like, we need to start recording this and just putting it out there. That's awesome. So that's what we're going to try and do. So Brilliant. be looking for This Is A Bad Idea podcast. I love the soon. name, by the way. Yeah. yeah. It's awesome. Do you like that? <laughs> yeah, make sure you DM us when you uh, release your first episode. I will. Episode. I'll, send, I'll we'll, send it to you guys. Uh, yeah, we got the right. name because we we finished recording the first episode, and Matt sits back in his chair and goes, <sighs> this is a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's a good name. I like that name. Yeah. Awesome, man. That's awesome. Jacob, dude, thank you. Just thanks for, uh, oh, thanks for, for, for having making me, this guys. happen. It was and fun. Thanks for hanging out with us. And, you know, I think uh, 
I dig you, man. I, I really do. Like, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm excited that we had this happen. I know, yeah. totally. We got another yeah. new friend. <laughs> another, another You're going to be my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking the Kelly Cardenas approach. and like, you guys are going to be my friend. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I've got the handcuffs to prove it. Right. Yeah. No one's leaving this room until we're friends. <laughs> That's a bad idea. Right. <laughs> Dude, thank you. Thanks a lot. And, well, thanks to uh, you guys, man. You know, Jacob Kahn, thank you very much for joining us on your day off. Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, totally forget about this message. We also want to thank Sarah and Blaine from Pretty Gritty. Uh, Sarah and Blaine, they are a band out of uh, Portland, Oregon, and we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song, Pleased to Meet You, on our podcast. Um, that's cool. I think you can find, actually you can, you can find their music on um, on iTunes. Peace and hair grease. <laughs> <laughs>